Welcome to the Parents Place podcast with Hillary and Jen. Welcome to our podcast today. We are excited to have you guys here once again. So we have the opportunity to share a story of resilience today. And we have a special guest with us. Um, We have talked about We've talked about Marlon before as, as the as the individual behind the scenes helping us do all of our our editing and um, kind of the administrative side of things, and she has roped a particular person into being here, and so we're thrilled to have him. We have uh, Jan Goodrich here with us, and I'm just going to turn the time over to him at this point, and he can share a little bit about who he is. And then we'll go ahead and let him kind of just jump into his story, his story of resilience that he's going to illustrate for us today. So go ahead, Jim. Thank you. So um, I grew up in Bernal, Utah. I've spent most of my life in in Orem in Utah County um, since college, uh, but uh, married and have four children. And uh, I, I worked in the healthcare field for 30 years. I was uh, healthcare finance and operations. Uh, and I retired a few years ago, and I work in education now. I work um, at BYU as a finance person, so still working. Um, but uh, yeah, that's a little background on on me. And we'll um, let you pass on behalf of the BYU. But <laughs> yeah, no, I I know. See, it's uh, like I should actually remove that hat back there for our listening audience but <laughs> it's hard because you know that that aggie blood just runs deep and so no i get the, it the fact we have to be competitors but we we appreciate you being here <laughs> um so jan go ahead and i know you have a particular story that you've been able to share with individuals in the past that have really helped them so i'm going to let you um share a little bit about your story and and um provide as much details as you want or as few of details, but give us an insight into your story of resilience. Sure. So this happened uh, to me, this um, accident that I'm going to talk about happened uh, 39 years ago. So I'm 64. I was 25 years old um, and I was making my way through college. Um, So I was, I, I would go out and work in road construction for eight months at a time or so, and then go back to school because I was funding my education. But um, one particular day, so this is a traveling road construction crew. Our crew was in Colorado uh, on the freeway. And um, so we were working on guardrails, what we did. So sometimes we were putting in guardrails, sometimes we were raising uh, the level of guardrail when they made adjustments to the road. So that's what we were doing that particular day. So this is um, July 5th of 1983. I remember it very well. Um, and we were, um, I was working right under a large machine. Uh, it was a boom truck. And then I had, a, so the person driving it and the person who was spotting for me, watching for power lines, because we were always right underneath power lines on freeways guardrail was very close to being underneath uh power lines so uh what happened on that particular day is i um i tied a chain to a guardrail post and i took the other end and i was going to tie it onto the boom arm so we could lift up we could lift up the post 
unbeknownst to the driver, he had actually lifted up on the high voltage power lines above him, hadn't seen those. The spotter hadn't seen them. Um, I found out later, they had told me that morning that they had actually been drinking that weekend, all <laughs> a lot that weekend and on uh, a holiday weekend. So um, anyway, uh, so he lifted up on those power lines and what it did is it charged the truck. It was 14,000 volt power line. And so when I reached up to attach the chain to the truck, I actually got the full 14,000 volts that went through the truck, the boom arm. And then it went through me, through my right arm, uh, internally into my body, through my heart, out my heels. So it traveled the entire, my entire body. So um, what's interesting with electricity, like house current electricity, um, you know, actually draws people to it where they can't get released. High voltage power lines, on the other hand, are like an explosion. So I was, uh, it blew me away from the scene and actually the witnesses said I you know traveled in the air 15 to 20 feet backwards and it was on an incline like this so I fell back and hit the ground um, on the side of the road down down off the road and uh, so that's what happened so interestingly enough I experienced this in slow motion like a lot of people say they do just flying through the air I didn't know what was happening but it you know I told people because I didn't see it coming didn't know it was coming the power of it felt like uh, walking into an oncoming locomotive that just hit you like, a, you know, an unbelievable power surge. So when I hit the ground, fortunately, I was uh, still conscious. But um, the doctor later told me that when I hit the ground, that actually acted as cardio resuscitation. Because when, when electricity goes through muscles, including your heart, which your heart is one, it contracts. So he said your heart would have contracted into a tight ball. And then when it pounded on the ground, it acted like as if somebody gave me cardio resuscitation. So that he said that actually I fell far enough and just perfectly enough to uh, start my heart and to be able to, you know, to live. So I, I was awake immediately. Um, I couldn't breathe for uh, what I think was probably two or three minutes. I don't know if it's because the air was knocked out of me or my lungs were seized up. So I was banging my body on the ground trying to get breath because I was completely stopped and couldn't breathe at all. So once I got once I got breathing, uh, by that time, they were calling for uh, an ambulance. An ambulance came and picked me up. They treated me for of course, I had bad second and third degree burns from the electricity. And then they also treated me as if I probably had a spinal cord injury for how far I had fallen. So fortunately, my spine was fine, but they put me on a board and everything treated me as if I might have a spinal cord injury. So I went to a small hospital and they stabilized me there. And it was very evident that I was going to have to have extensive um, surgery and work done. So um a day and a half or so later, I was flown to the University of Utah Burn Center, and that was a, an amazing thing because obviously they're some of the best in the business. And so I spent um, I spent a month there, uh, and then I came back later and had another. I spent another month, so I spent two months in the U of U Burn Center, had a total of seven operations, and um, you know was. Uh, I couldn't do anything activity-wise for about three years, but um, I think the thing that was interesting for me in this whole dynamic 
was, you know, they they uh, they ended up covering my feet with um, with grass, with skin grafts, and so they took large strips from the side of my thighs, about this wide, all the way down from my knee up to high on my thigh, and they took that skin and they covered my feet, which had the worst third degree burns. So my feet had burns clear to my heel bone. And so they had to, the first surgery, they had to excise that. And then they put graft, skin grafts over that. Later, they had to attach my foot to my calf for a month and hold that so that they could actually re rebuild my left heel, which was the most damaged. So uh, anyway, obviously traumatic, life-changing, um, you know, and, and the thing that was interesting to me is that the doctor told me he didn't know what my prognosis would be. This was a really unusual situation. He had no idea. These were skin grafts on your feet, right? You're going to be walking on for the rest of your life. So he said, I have no idea what your prognosis will be. I have no idea if you'll be uh, crippled. I have no idea if those, you know, will fail and you'll um, have to be in a wheelchair. I can't tell you what your long-term prognosis is. So I'm 25. I'm single. And my biggest fear at that point was my slightly receding hairline, which I've lost that battle now. But um, anyway, so at that point, you know, it was a complete rug pull. Everything was up in the air, career, everything, all these important decisions. My confidence was zero. I was scared to death. Um, so that was, um, you know, that was kind of the background of what I was facing, um, and then, you know, a lot of great things happened in, you know, there and afterwards that helped me to get through that. But that's kind of some of the background. Hopefully that's helpful. You hear these stories and your story is, is one of those stories where I think you probably shouldn't be here. I mean, based on the event, based on what happened, based on the severity of injury, like a true miracle to have you here with us. Um, wow. wow. So I can only imagine the journey that you have taken throughout your life to get to where you are today. I, I've got a few, I want to find out a little bit more about that journey. So, mm -hmm. um, so let's start with the thing that really stood out to me um, that you made mention of right before was just that unknown, that unknown of, of, Will I be able to do certain things? Will my career need to change? Will this affect having a future family? And I know there's many people that have that unknown in their life. So how do you deal with that unknown? Was there anything that specifically helped with kind of with that process, that emotional process? Yeah, I think a couple of things come to mind. I think um, one of the thing, things that I had to deal with was my um, my feelings about uh, the men who had been, who were, you know, inebriated and uh, contributed to my accident. So I got some great advice from my mom. And I said, you know, I don't know. I hope that I and plan to, you know, to forgive at some point, because I know that, um, you know, that's, uh, you can't keep that poison in your body. It'll end up destroying you too. <laughs> but so I asked her, I said, what, you know, what do you, th what would you advise me to do? And she said, I wouldn't, rush the process she said i know that you will eventually find the right time uh, um, to forgive them but she said you know you have a lot of healing to do emotionally and physically and she just said why don't you take it one day at a time in this entire process 
And that's what, you know, my parents advised me to do also with my physical injuries because, you know, I was, I was home in, uh, in Vernal uh, with my parents and um, every day was, you know, a, an adventure in that sometimes my skin grass would turn blue and I would worry and I would call the burn center. And so it was all of these ups and downs during that process, day to time. But um, I think, you know, I think the things that helped me most were a, I had a, had a supportive family uh, structure. I think that was one of the layers of protection. And even though they didn't know what to do necessarily help me, they, uh, they approached this in a very common sense way. Also, um, religion played a big part in this and just, uh, you know, having faith in God and a higher power uh, that, um, you know, there was something else working for me other than just physicians and other people. So I think those things, um, but there were a lot of dark days, uh, you know, a lot of uh, really scary times. I know the best, some of the best advice I got was back in the day, you know, they, uh, because I was so far away, they, they gave me a huge um, container of uh, Demerol, <laughs> narcotic pain reliever. And um, so I took that home and my therapist, my physical therapist in the hospital came and sat down the day I was discharged. And he said, he said, Jan, I know that you're going to have a lot of pain. In fact, burn injuries are some of the worst for years. You're going to have pain. And he said, what I would advise you to do is to, you know, he said, I would dump out 90% of those pills into the toilet and flush them down the toilet, get rid of them and keep 10% of them, which were still, you know, an, enough when you're, ex when your pain is extreme and you can't deal with it with other things. So I really tried to learn to deal with my pain through, you know, they gave us uh, exercises to do, ways to do. Sometimes you'd concentrate on the pain. Sometimes you'd concentrate on everything but the pain. But I had a lot of tools like that. And he said, you have probably a burn patient has like a 75, 80% chance of being addicted to narcotics for life. And he said, if you don't do something major uh, and you don't take this very seriously, he said that will be your, you know, your plight. So I think that that to me was a um, one of those tender mercies. I think he helped to save me from a life of um, addiction um, by doing that because I did indeed have fan, I did have the you know the pain. I also had pain from where they took the grafts, and every time mm -hmm. I would stand up from that for several years, it would be like a thousand pins and needles because the nerves were growing back, the blood was trying to find its way. So. But anyway, I think that was some of the best advice is to be very, very careful about, um, you know, about narcotic drugs. That was wise advice on his part. Because um, it is very easy to get addicted to those and you don't want to deal with the pain. So you just go the other route of taking the medication and sometimes it it helps and sometimes it creates lifelong things. So I'm grateful that you had that person in your life that was like, okay, I'm gonna be real with you. And um, this is what we suggest. And so that, that, yes, like you said, a tender mercy. And such an intuitive doctor to be able to know that, to know yes. that this is going to be difficult, but 
by continuing to take these medications when it's unnecessary, it's going to be even more difficult of a journey right. if you, you know, go that direction. So I just, the power of that, of that doctor knowing that, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. You know, we talk in this uh, particular series, the story of resilience, I think for our listeners that our regular listeners, you guys are starting to notice a pattern here. And one of those patterns is that finding that social support is so incredibly vital. Uh, most of these trials that we go through in life, I won't say most, I will say all of these trials that we go through in life, we can't do on our own. And so being able to find that social social support, whether that be through family or friends or religion yeah. um, or school, neighborhood groups, whatnot, it's incredibly vital to have that. And so I'm glad that you brought that up because I do, I think that that is one of the keys in finding success. I still remember to this day, every single person, honestly, almost 40 years later, I remember every single person, friend, family that came to the burn center during those two months, uh, because I was, um, you know, I was living a life of quiet desperation, not knowing what my future was. So every person who came in and said, anything you know any encouragement um you know was just became incredibly important to me and helped me through those initial days and you know when i came home obviously um the same thing people that came to visit but i didn't hold it against my friends who didn't come <laughs> because it was i was a long ways away from a lot of friends but for the people who made that effort um to come and see me it meant it meant the world and to mm -hmm. your point it was um you know, none of us survive in this world with, you know, loans. We've learned that during COVID, right? We can't, <laughs> we can't do this alone. We just can't do this journey. And I'm, I'm an average person. I'm so glad that, you know, regarding the pain reliever, I'm an average person. When I'm in pain, I want to get out of pain. I mean, had I not had that advice, I would have not, I'm sure I would have not avoided, you know, a really serious addiction. But, um, but yeah, I think that's, uh, um, the the other aspect that I I would like to just mention that I think is really important is the burn the burn unit had a professional counselor that was there all the time twenty four seven it was for the staff and for the patients right because what they dealt with every day and we were in a this is basically an ICU for burn patients and they were horrible you know uh, there were people with full body burns there were horrible things that they were dealing with but. It was interesting back in the day. Now this is this is nineteen, you know, this is nineteen, the early nineteen eighties, and I remember going in to fill out job forms, and it said, back then it said, "Have you ever um, had a had, Have you ever had professional counseling?" And they wouldn't ask that now. <laughs> I, but I was worried in my you know young twenty year old mind, twenties year old mind that. I wasn't going to be able to be employable if I ever checked that box. Now, now people encourage, you know, physicians, family, church leaders, they encourage you to get counseling, professional counseling. But I was so worried about getting counseling that that person would come by every single day I was in there and she'd ask me if I wanted to talk. And I said, no. And I, although I've recovered in a, you know, in an amazing way in my estimation, I could have sped up my recovery and healed a lot quicker emotionally and more effectively had I been willing to talk to somebody. Now, even though it's encouraged today, there are a lot of people I know that still avoid 
for you know whatever reason either they say i'm going to be okay i don't need it uh you know um whatever it is but a lot of people still avoid that because it's scary and uh, but i just know that i would have been helped immensely and been able to make quantum leaps in my emotional recovery uh, because obviously that damage was as, as serious as the physical yeah i i think we're doing better at debunking you know that stigma associated with mm -hmm. uh mental health and therapeutic services but we've still got a ways to go yeah. and that's why we love having even a platform like this where we can talk about that and help to normalize that talking helps talking yeah. is one of the the steps to help in that road to recovery so thank you for bringing that up um i'm glad that you brought up that jan you mentioned those individuals that helped you and how oftentimes we as individuals on the outside don't necessarily know how to help i think we've all felt that way before where we have a neighbor a friend maybe even a family member that we know is is dealing with something hard but it's like where's my place i'm yep. afraid of stepping in of saying something wrong of overstepping my boundaries as you look at this experience are there any particular people or maybe particular situations that come to your mind that you think that made a difference on that day or on that week anything yeah. that, that stands out to you yeah there are a couple of thoughts um it's interesting that uh you know you're right about people don't know what to say when somebody is you know if they they've lost a loved one or they've had a you know a terrible injury um but you know what i what i advise people is is that just talk to them you don't have to say anything magical you don't have to say the exact right thing i think all you have to do is be positive and but talk to them as you normally would your friend or associate um you know that I, I think the the things i didn't appreciate were people that came in and immediately told me their you know the electrocution story of a person they knew and how they died or how they were burned i mean those things weren't helpful but anything else anything else where you know, I'll, I know when somebody's hurting, all we have to do, that person doesn't know what to say. They just need to drop that fear and say, I'm going to go engage with this person because I love them or care about them or I want to help them. And I'm just going to be my normal, natural self and everything's going to be OK. And I will benefit as well as them. I had a I did have an uncle who kind of stepped forward and was kind of an advocate for me. Um, and he was somebody who helped me deal with insurance and medical issues because he lived out there very close. My parents still lived in, um, three hours away, but he kind of stepped up and was willing to be kind of an advocate and speak for me and talk to people, um, be a gatekeeper a little bit, you know, like when I was coming out of surgery or something, maybe this is not a good time, but I think people, you know, people that have that skill need to not be afraid to offer their services and whatever that may be if it's medical or um, even to just help people with the you know the things in the background pay their bills or uh, i remember getting a you know a bill one day when i was home you know a twenty thousand dollar bill said do immediately and that just scared me to death because i did know you know the u of u was going to be uh, ultimately patient with me and everything but i didn't i didn't know if i was you know if I was going to be paying this off for the rest of my life, if I was going to get help, you know, um, so those things, uh, 
you know, people really need to not worry about saying the wrong thing. As long as they're, um, you know, positive with that person in any format, even joking with them, the things, the stories and things they have in common, you know, the things that they can laugh about from their past. I think all those things are extremely important, but I, I know that people have, I, I've experienced that, you know, having fear of talking to someone who just went through a tragic thing. So I think I'm going to speak on behalf of, of the entire group, <laughs> and that is, tell us how you are today. I know that was quite a while ago, and so you've had, you know, this long road to recovery, but how are things now, uh, physically, emotionally, um, yeah, tell us about your status. So, I, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I, I spoke with a doctor in the last uh, six, eight months, and I just said, what, what's your experience been with burn patients where they've had serious burns, where they've had chronic pain for years and things like that? And anyway, they, they asked me about my story, just wanted a little bit of background. And anyway, they said, you know what, uh, Jan, actually, you should be um, a complete mess today, emotionally, and maybe even physically. And um, because of the dynamics of having an uncertain future, having a medical diagnosis that was not known for a long time that had to play out, um, and the pain, the chronic pain. So, you know, the, the thing here is, is that I'm not any kind of Superman at all. I just had all of these um, layers like an onion of people around me. I had, you know, I had blessings of family, I had, had uh, good friends. And sometimes you have to, you know, as a victim, you're victimized, you have to reach out and establish friends and things. Sometimes they don't necessarily come directly to you. So, you know, avoiding having been, a, you know, I don't have PTSD, which I'm grateful for. I think part of that is because I didn't see the thing coming at me, right? I don't have bad dreams. Um, but I think, you know, a lot of tender mercies in my life, but most of the tender mercies came in the form of people, right? People that, uh, you know, helped me, encouraged me. I got encouragement, you know, from friends and trusted individuals to jump back into school, you know, get busy as soon as you're physically able to. So I got back into school. I, you know, I wanted to get a master's degree. I thought, I said, I'm not going to let anything, you know, de de defer me from doing that. So I got back and that was great advice to get active, get, in, get involved. Now, there are a lot of things I didn't want to do because, you know, I mean, I didn't walk very well for a while. I had some, but I noticed the more I got out around people, the more I got out and got over my fear of, you know, having people think that there's something wrong with me, the better I felt and the more and the quicker the acceleration of my healing was. And that was long-term emotional and physical. You know, honestly, you know, I, I would attribute to where I'm at today, having had a successful career, raised a great family, been very blessed, um, even economically, and having security, all those blessings to me came from other people that were there in my path at the, at the right time uh, to, you know, to encourage, uh, to advise, um, you know, because this changed everything about my life. Um, you know, my occupation, who I would marry, what field, you know, everything, um, not my basic personality, but, you know, all these things were at an important, critical time in my life when I was going to make all these important decisions. So, you know, to me, 
it was it, it's been a, in a way it's been a great blessing too because um to this day i still have you know when somebody talks about having like a heart attack and then being saved and for the rest of their life they there's a silver lining now here's the here's the thing about you know one thing about having this horrible accident all these years later my entire life i've always had a little bit of a silver lining that has always been in my psyche uh knowing that you know one you can do hard things but but otherwise you know there are there are blessings there's a higher power there are people out there there are resources to help you so and always just something i think in inside a person that you've done a really hard thing and so you've done about the worst you know you've overcome some of the worst things possible so when you go and have a hard day at work or you have a relationship problem you know what there's always just a little bit of a glimmer saying i can get through this somehow some way you know the universe has blessed me and god has uh, endowed me and friends have supported me to the point where i can really um go on so i'd love to have had this i'd love to have not had been electrocuted but you know this tender mercy of having this silver lining my whole life um has been a great blessing so i think that's the other thing i've tried to find the good in this and to uh the lessons learned the humility gained the friendships made um you know the insights gained i've tried to hold on to those as tender mercies because i'm not sure we can gain those without doing really hard things sometimes and we all have really hard things to you know to deal with this just reminds me and a lot of these um, stories of resilience really remind me how we are so hardwired for connection and how that is so important is to have those connected people. I mean, it can be so much worse. The trial that we go through is if we isolate ourselves and we don't have that, we need that so badly um, to help us through those hard times of life. Yeah, and I, I think for me that, you know, this experience encouraged me to hold on to my childhood friends, um, you know, hold on to those people who have always been there for me, even, you know, you get, you become distanced from those people and, you know, you live in different towns and you don't see each other. But for me, I, you know, I've reached back to them and we've had a connection with, you know, a handful of childhood friends for the rest of our lives that have been extremely important. I don't think without having this experience, I think I would have discounted that more and just thought, well, we go on, you know, we get separated, we don't maybe interact, that's okay. Um, but there are certain relationships, you know, I think there's only a handful of relationships with certain people that are, you know, we become extremely close with, we're connected in some deep way. And so for me, this, this caused me to want to hold on to those relationships and those people. Now, if you know, if it, if it just didn't work for some reason, if, you know, if they didn't reciprocate, that's, that's fine. But, you know, the people that I was really connected to did, did reciprocate and we did maintain a relationship. And even if it was going to dinner once a year or texting back and forth with a joke or a thought, you know, those things became incredibly important in my life to um, the people aspect, having a few people that understood you, even your goofy side or your, you know, your, uh, they appreciated you 
loved you and it went way way back and so I think that was another thing is um you know I was encouraged to really cherish my relationships with people well Jana, I appreciate you so much for sharing your story because I think you have hit upon so many different things that we we want our our listeners to hear and you are a true example of of resilience so so thank you thank you for sharing your story and thank you for reminding us of essentially what is most important in life so mm -hmm. we appreciate all that you do Jen I'll turn the rest over to you so yeah this has been a great episode and I think one that we can all learn from of just keeping those people close looking at the positive sides of things helping or having those people remind us of those positive things and how we can maybe look move forward um, going through these trials so i want to just remember or have our audience members remember to be kind to themselves be kind to those that are trying to give us a little bit of help throughout our lives and we appreciate you coming and talking with us today and we will see you back here next week Thank you for listening to the Parents Place podcast. If you would like to reach us, you can at parents at thefamilyplaceutah.org or you can reach Jen on Facebook, Jen Daily The Family Place. Please check out our show notes for any additional information. Our website is thefamilyplaceutah.org if you're interested in any of our upcoming virtual classes. We'd love to see you there.